Young Sale. This is uh, Kyle and Travis uh, with Korean Adoptee Stories. I'm actually really excited here today because uh, today I have uh, with me uh, my first female uh, CAD that was willing to speak out and maybe give a little bit of uh, information and maybe uh, some advice for Korean adoptees uh, out there. So uh, thanks for watching and, and stay tuned and let's uh, see what we can uh, find out here. Hi, Tabby. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And you? Pretty good. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. So I guess I wanted to go a little deeper. I know we just finished the guide. Could you actually describe a little bit more about uh, some of the traumas you experienced living in Michigan? Sure. Um, first of all, you know, seven months old, arriving into the U.S. Um, I arrived into a really huge family already. I was the baby out of nine. I'm the ninth one. Um, and all of my siblings are all biologically related. Um, before me, my, my adoptive parents did try to adopt before me, but the baby died before reaching the U.S. Um, the baby was also Korean. So that was a very sad chapter for them. And then they got me. Um, but unfortunately, the traumas that I've experienced um, was just full-on domestic violence. Child abuse. So your adoptive parents weren't good parents. You're you're saying? Yeah, they. I know. <clears throat> I know that their intentions, I think, were good, but yeah, it just it came out bad. Were you uh, abused more? Were there other siblings that were abused more than than you were, or? Unfortunately, I mean, we all suffered hardships, but I was the one who took the front of everything. Were you a, a rebel child, wild child, or no? No, no. <laughs> Quite on the contrary, I was a very good kid. Um, but the abuse started even from when I was an infant, apparently. Well, I, I don't know if I call that abuse, but I remember, and I asked my sister this, my sister and I are very, very close. Ten years older than I am, um, but I asked her once. I said, "You know, I have this memory or this this feeling when I was a little, you know, when I look back to being little, like the breath being just sucked out of my body, like sucked out or falling experience." And she's like, "Unfortunately, mom dropped you all the time as a baby." I was like, oh, okay. You know, I don't know. I was a baby, but I just have that memory of the breath being sucked out of my body. I just can't, I can't describe it. I just, it's there, that memory is there. So, you know, and then I, I can remember, you know, as, as a child, just being abused for no reason, um, physically. Did you, did you have to hide your uh, uh, bruises at uh, from your teachers at school then or you know my mom was good she never left bruises on my body where people could see but the teachers knew for some reason that i was being abused and they had to keep an eye on me as i moved, progressed through the grades um and even a couple times as a child um these strange people would take me out of my class and they would give me chocolate and made me cut out these pictures and I didn't know who they were you know I remember third grade doing that first grade really and um, they would ask me questions I remember one guy his name was Dave Andrews he was this redhead white guy and he would ask me questions I was just a little girl I remember holding my head down and I wouldn't talk I wouldn't talk a lick which might have related to your parents that you so you, were you pretty quiet and shy throughout uh your youth then or yeah i was very well we grew up very poor okay um my dad worked really hard okay he didn't make a lot of money uh what did he do for work he worked for the local wood um a wood furniture building company okay mason already he was very good with his hands and he could build wood just like that he was so talented um he worked really hard he tried to give his family what he could but overall he loved 
his wife. He loved my adopted mom with every thread in his body. He really did. Did one of the parents uh, abuse you more? Did the mom abuse you more, or the dad, or? or? Um, yeah, unfortunately, my mom was the abuser. Okay. My dad was passive and let it just, just let it go. Do you feel, do you feel mad at your parents? I know they already passed away. Was that really hard to uh, deal with? You know, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, I'm not. I'm not mad. I went through some terrible things as kids Things that will always haunt you. Be with me. Things that a child should never go through. But I'm not, I don't hate them because when I was 15, they, the state of Michigan took me out of my house because my parents took me to court for stealing money and I stole money so I couldn't eat mm -hmm. I stole money to buy clothes because I was going into high school so she took me to court when she found out but I forgave them at that age you're a very you're a very strong person because there's some people that say like the big f you and like screw you there's a lot of adoptees that just absolutely hate not just hate their birth family but they hate their adoptive parents or being really shitty parents but i guess it goes to show you have a really uh soft heart well you know what it was is that let me tell you when i was around eight years old I tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, I sat in my, I shared a bedroom with my sister because I, I slept in a crib up until a certain age. And then my mom made me sleep underneath the table like a dog. And my sister was like, this is bullshit. You know, we, we can't allow that. She's a person. And so I moved into her room and, um, when I was, you know, really young, my mom just hated me, and I started to saw away at my wrists, both of them, with this sharp little seashell that my sister had in her room. And you know, I stopped, cause you know why? Why? If I killed myself, mom would be happy, and we didn't want mom to be happy. And I was scared. I was scared to hurt myself. But the bigger thing was, I told myself was. Mom is going to be happy if you die, so we can't die. And so I talked myself out of it and had these little scabs here on my wrist, and I had long sleeves so nobody would ever see them, but I stopped myself because I didn't want my mom to be happy. Um, you know, <clears throat> but it was just, uh, it was a lot of things that she had put me through, a lot of things I had to survive. So you had to learn how to survive at a really young age. What's actually kind of amazing, though, you said that you're, you are all biologically related to all nine siblings. None of them were, uh, white or American. They're they're all. No, they were all biologically related. They were all brothers and sisters. I was the only one who was not. Oh, okay. So they they were related to them, and you're kind of the, I guess, the black sheep. Then I see. Gotcha. Right. Right. Exactly. And even though if you were, uh. I guess different the parents did kind of abuse every sibling not just you right well yeah they kind of like they did certain things I don't recall anybody being beaten though okay I was beaten I was the one um they called a whore and I was the one that they they starved so, you know I was the one who took the brunt of it I don't really recall my other siblings really being physically abused. You've been through a lot of hell. What have you done? Have you? I know. I know that if they they saw something was going on with the family, did did any like uh social uh service like come to the house trying to get you out of there, or or did, did you see a school counselor at all, or? 
Now, again, a lot of my abuse was during, you know, when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one time in kindergarten, I tried to run away. <clears throat> I tried to run away in the middle of winter time because, you know, when you were a kid back in those days, they had these bake sales. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're a kid and sometimes your friends will buy you some cake or some cupcake and you eat it, right? I would come home and my mom would be like, did you eat cupcakes today? And I would be like, yeah, mom. You know, yeah, I ate a cupcake today. And she would get so upset and she would say, I'm going to institutionalize you. They're going to like electrocute you um, because you're not normal. And I'm going to send you away. And so I ran away in kindergarten in the middle of winter, up the street. I was going towards, uh, I was kind of a little bit older, I think my sister was in college, so maybe I was a little bit older, but I was running towards that direction where I thought the college was. Or, and I remember there was a house and the guy said, come here, come here, come here. He's like, I remember him saying on the phone, you know, I have this girl, and, that woman abuses her kids and you know I remember him saying that it's just absurd it can't be going on all this you know it's not right and I remember the state police coming and getting me I remember him putting in the, me in the front seat he was showing me all the cool stuff and then he brought me home and I'll never forget he handed me back to my mom and my mom just kind of like did this little light spank oh, you know these kids I don't know what are we gonna do? And she just, she played it off, you know. Um, There's nothing he could do. Um, the social workers never proved anything. Apparently they were trying. Um, I just never had visible, physical abuse so easily seen that you see on children. She was very good. I mean, I have some scars now from her that still exists on my body. I have a scar here because she took me by the chin and she dug her nail in it. I don't remember why I was a kid and uh, I have that scar here. I have a couple of scars here from her fingernails. They couldn't do anything. I'm really sorry you had to go through such uh, pain. Uh, Did you had to experience a lot of pain at school then or was that actually kind of a, a sanctuary or were you still bullied and teased and were you able to make friends at all or did you keep to yourself you know it's ironically i would say as a young kid i don't know maybe second third grade, mm. kind of a bully really okay bully to some other kids um and i didn't realize why i was a bully um, I know one time I wrote this nasty letter to one of the neighbor girls and I threatened her and the parent brought us to my parent and he's like, you know, you don't do this. And I was a child. I was teased. We grew up poor, so I looked poor. I didn't even have boots for the winter. And the principal in my school bought me boots and my mother was so livid. Um, she's like, you know, how can you go around begging for things, you know, if we don't do that in this family, and, I'm, and I said, I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, and I remember she called the principal, and the principal was like, she didn't have any boots, so we bought her some winter boots, I mean, I'm from Upper Michigan, boots are not easy, um, you know, my mom, I think her background, whatever choices she did living in Germany, I think something clicked in her and it was just easy for her to take her angst out on me because that wasn't her blood. So the, the, the mom was from Germany, right? Yeah. Were you close to any of the grandparents? Were they like, <laughs> were they Nazis or do you know or? Oh, okay. No, they weren't. My mom was born in Berlin. Okay. She survived World War II. Okay. She fled her country because she didn't believe in what her fellow Germans were doing with the Jews. She fled. She left her mom behind. Her father, they had fallen kind of like apart because he had divorced her mom. Mm. 
time. My grandfather on her side, you know, um, they had kind of distanced their relationship because my grandfather had divorced um, my grandmother. Um, you know, my mom always claimed that he left them for a younger woman. Mm. But, um, so they kind of weren't close for a long time. And then my mom came to America and then she left her mom behind and you know i think her goal was to always bring her here to the u.s but she didn't get to because then she died of cancer so we never got to know our grandparents from germany nor did we get to know our family relatives from my dad's side here in when did your uh, mom pass away how old were you she, was, she passed away in 2015. 2015. five years I guess this is kind of horrible to say. So even after she died, you didn't feel a sort of peace from that that kind of woman. I don't want to call her a witch, but that's what's in my mind. I know it is. Yeah. You know, I suffered a lot. I suffered from being starved. You know, I, I would steal money from my mom, and I was little, and I would have to cross state lines because mm. Michigan and Wisconsin are, are just right there. Okay. I would do. I would sneak out of the house. I would go through, I knew the neighbor's yard, so I'd sneak through there so nobody would see me. And would cross into Wisconsin to buy food and sneak it back home. Um, my mom used to drag me down into the basement when I would cry and lock me there. She locked me in this dark room. It was horrible until I stopped crying. It was dark, it was dirty, it was full of these ugly black spiders. So I have this thing about spiders today, by the way, that's just, I can't, mm -hmm. it, spiders scare me. Um, my mom burnt my fingers when I was a baby or a kid. She used to hold my fingers over the open flame on the stove, you know, she used to pick my fingers with the needle. Um, my mom did some really bad things. She used to tell me I was poor. She would tell me to go out and get pregnant and bring her home a baby. She would say I was Satan. And she said I possessed her kids because the kids would stick up for me. And they would. My sister almost broke her finger because she was beating me one day. You know, my one brother tried to protect me when she was beating me another time. My dad held him down. And I remember him saying, run, run, Tab. Yeah, we were young. Um, he was trying to protect me from my mom being a Okay. And my dad held him down because he was a, he was going after my mom to stop the abuse. And you know, I was little. What was I supposed to do? Like, I was scared. You know, I went through a lot of mental and emotional abuse. My mom used to tell me I was a whore. She used to tell me to go out and get pregnant and bring her home a baby. She used to tell me I was Satan. And she would say, you know, you possessed my children because they all love you and they stick up for you. You know, you, you're, you're the devil. Um, Were you ever sexually abused by her? No, I was never sexually abused, which is, you know, thank God a mm -hmm. good thing because that's a whole other level of trauma. But in the court system, when the judge looked at her and said, you know, you abused your child, you neglected her. He was on my side because he did have two Korean adopted daughters. Immediately um, was for my case. And when was this court case? How old were you? I was in high school. Okay. Okay. So could you describe your life between the teenage and, and uh, adult years? Did all this abuse still happen? Yeah. I mean, I was, a, I was from the infancy to 15. Mm -hmm. This is when it all happened. Mm -hmm. Once I was removed out of the house and put into a foster home, that was a whole different level of trauma for me there because I had to figure out life. Um, you know, I had to figure out, you know, my, my caseworker was like, do you want to be readopted out? And I looked at him and I'm like, really? Look at me, I'm 15 years old. Who wants a 15-year-old me? Mm -hmm. And I'm Asian. Who wants me? Nobody wants me. I said, no. He was like, do you want to change your name? And I said, to what? I don't even know what my, I didn't even know what my birth name was then. And I said, I'm remaining, my last name is Dupuy. I said, I'm remaining with Dupuy. That's all I know. And that's, that's really all I have. So, and then, you know, the other thing was I didn't have citizenship. 
and my mom, my adoptive parents refused for me to take the exam and get my naturalization, so I had to wait. And, you know, my social worker was like, you have to be good. If you're not good and you run into the law, you will be deported. And that was another thing. I was like, well, thank God I'm a good kid because I don't get in trouble. School, school, you know, for me, all those years as a kid was my escape, mm -hmm. even though I was always teased, you know, I was a chink, I was the goof, I was the, you know, Asian girl, they'd make their eyes, they'd do that saying about Japanese dirty knees, look at these, you know, I, I, I had to deal with so much, but when the car system took me out at the age of 15, um, I had to be an adult. So you actually worked at 15 then and lived on your own then? I went to high school. Okay. Survived high school and worked part-time. And then for my... I mean, I'm grateful to have foster parents, but I also had to do things for my foster parents. So it's not like I could go out and be a cheerleader for school. No, I had to work. Then I had to work and do stuff for them. So my childhood, my teenage years, I didn't even get. So you didn't even have any hobbies that you could uh, go into or sports or anything like that, huh? No. I mean, I took up running at the age of 13. Okay. Because um, when I was a kid, my mom never wanted to be home. So I would go to the lake, which was a mile away right? mm -hmm. on the border of Michigan and Wisconsin. And I would stay there all day by myself. And I was really, truly blessed because I had an angel. Because you think about it, a little girl, a young girl sitting by the lake 10 hours a day you know things can happen yeah I, I know some stories so you never had to live on the streets were you ever homeless or no okay that's good that i will say i was never homeless i mean one time my mom did lock me out of the house because when i was a teenager my friends would let me come and stay with them during the weekend and one time i came home and she locked me out and she asked the mom if she wanted to adopt me. In fact, she asked a couple of my friends' parents if they wanted me. So it sounds like you had some sort of good support system, maybe a, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It was an escape. I mean, my friends helped me. My friends would even give me their hand-me-down clothing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything. Um, so getting through high school was kind of tough. It was. Um, I was in survival mode. Be How were your grades? Were you able to study at all, or were you are you naturally <laughs> gifted, or? Um, I was. I did pretty good. Okay. There were some things I I wasn't the greatest at, mm -hmm. but I tried. You know, I never gave up on myself. Mm -hmm. But I did the best. I did the best that I could at that time in my life. I mean, I was working. I'm trying to function in a home I don't know anything about. I'm trying to be on the best behavior so I don't get deported. You know, I had a lot to deal with, so I just did the best that I could. You sound really, really super, super tough. So you, with all this crap and all this trauma you had to go through, you never resorted to, like, like drugs, like stealing as an adult or to act out or... No, you know, and I'm blessed with that, that I didn't. My sister, my one sister was really a big support system. Okay. She helped, when she was home, she tried to do her best to help me. She kind of raised me a little bit on her own, like, in her own way. And she would always preach to me about God. She would always, you know, we would do things together. She was like a second mom to me. And I'm thankful for that. But then when she wasn't there, I think I just kicked in to her words. I kicked into a mode of survival just to be a good person. You know, when I was 15, I told my caseworker, I said, look, you know, the one thing that they always want to do is reunify the families, right? I was up for that. I knew my mom was not. She had already disowned me. So she disowned me probably. She disowned me for 24 years. Okay out of 30 and I told my caseworker I said I forgive my mom because and I forgive both of my parents and if I don't I won't be a happy I won't be a healthy individual I know my mom's background I know what she comes from and I've always known that she's had some mental disconnect from Germany to the US her decisions in her life I just knew somewhere in me 
that forgiving her was the key to me. It was the key, and she taught me this indirectly, and I told her this before she died. I said I would live my life differently. I would live it the opposite way. I would be more compassionate. I would be kind. If I have children, I would not abuse them. She taught me how to be indirectly, and she taught me that the abusive ways that she had was not going to be the way I was going to live my life. And I also said that my mom will regret the decision of her life. And when my mom, just before she died, I went home to take care of her. Now mind you, for 24 years she disowned me, and then out of the 30, and then those six years that I had were phone conversations, and you know what it was, was that I would send my mom gifts, I would send her things um, without signing it. And then one day, I signed her Christmas gift. I said, what do I have to lose? And she returned the gift to me. And you know, we had lost our childhood home uh, a year after my dad died in 2004. Mm -hmm. We lost our childhood home, it burnt to the ground. Everything that they had built was gone. My mom had to go live with my brother. And my other brother helped um, with the cleanup. My brothers did overall. And then my one brother bought her a new house. And she died in that house. Um, and I would help her. You know, I'd pay for her electric for a year. For her cable, I mean. And she didn't even know. I would pay for her snow plowing. She didn't even know. Because you know why? I had faith. That was a big thing faith and I had a hope in her that she would figure it out so when she returned that gift to me that year we started communicating by phone and only by phone and even though she was still mean to me I knew that she regretted things because she would say are you happy are you sharing your life with somebody um, and I'd be like yeah mom I'm I'm good you know you don't have to worry about me but when my mom was on her deathbed you know, I told my, my sisters, they called me and they said, um, you know, mom's not well. She wants to move to Minnesota to live with our oldest sister. Um, she wants to die there. And I said, no, that's not what mom wants. I'm telling you right now. You cannot move mom. Mom needs to live in that house until she's ready to go. And I had to tell them that. And my one sister who, and I, who I am very close with, she's a doctor. She's like, you know, her leg is very swollen because my mom had a prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. I said, Mom won't make the journey. She, she's got to stay in the home. We know this. I said, I will come home. Because my sister was like, she needs 24-7 care. And they have families. I didn't have a family. I had a boyfriend. And I said, okay. I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home. I'm going to drop my career for now. I'll come home and take care of her. And I did. I think that's really amazing. She was scared. She was scared. She wouldn't look at me. I haven't seen, remember. I haven't seen her in thirty years because she even refused to see me after we were talking on the phone, like mother and daughter kind of. She wouldn't look at me. I came to the house. I never seen her new house. You know, my parents were recluses, so you know it was it was a battle. But when my mom finally gave in after an hour of me being in the house. My brother-in-law had to talk with her. She was so scared. And when he looked at me and said, okay, mom was ready to look at me, I went and sat next to her and I grabbed her hand. And she looked at me. You know what she said? Like, isn't it ironic that you come home to take care of me after I tortured you all your life? You know what I said? I forgave you a long time ago. You just didn't know it. But mom, you have to forgive yourself now. And you know, she perked up. She looked at me and she was like, isn't that the hardest thing to do? Listen, you know, mom, it sure is, but you can do it. And I held her hand. Her hand was was frail, was thin, you know how old, you know, yep, people. Yep, exactly. I held her hand and she was 90 when she died, mm -hmm. but I held her hand 
And I said, you know, Mom, I said, you taught me about life. And she's like, I did? <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, Mom, you did. You taught me how to be. You told, you taught me how to be to this day. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because I was able to take the adversities and all the stuff I had gone through and be more positive about it and come out stronger and not hate. That was the key, was not to hate her. And you know, at the end of it all, my mom was my miracle in my life because she was able to recognize what she had done was so bad. And even though she had a hard time forgiving herself, she, I hope, did at the very end her last breath. So in a way, it kind of feels like there was closure with the horrible experience. And in a way, I, maybe she actually kind of apologized through that conversation. Do you feel like it was an apology through that? or? Yeah, you know, it was closure somewhat for me because even to this day as an adult, it's been five years, it was my closure. Mm -hmm. It was closure for me, even though I wanted more because... How do you fit 30 years into two weeks? Because that's what I had. I had two weeks with my mom. And I'm taking care of her. And, you know, of course, I had my family to help me, my, my sisters. Eventually, my oldest sister was able to come and stay with us after the first week I was there and um, help me with mom. And my other sister was coming back and forth every day because she had her own family. Um, it was closure, but it wasn't enough for me. I wanted more. I wanted... Oh, how do I fit 30 years into two weeks? Mm. We got, you know, that little bit of time, but at the end, it was closure. I think it was closure for her. I think it's great because I, th I know there's a lot of Korean adoptees that just, I mean, I can understand even why, even if you didn't even want to visit your parents, but you actually cho chose to be like the better person and actually just do it. And as horrible as your childhood was, I think you choosing to meet your mom and taking care of her maybe gave you a bit of closure as well i feel like you didn't want to go onto that angry bitter route as some people some cads i feel like have chosen you know um it's funny you say that because i knew even when i was in foster care that if my mom ever needed that type of help i knew already i would do it i had already made up my mind years years earlier I just knew her because that was just who I was. And how about your dad? Uh, did Was there a, really a big story with him? or? My dad and I never really got to speak. Okay. He died in 2004. I never got to say goodbye to him. And that's that. I didn't get to say I love you. You know, the last time I saw him was the year before was the year before I pulled together a family reunion mm -hmm. and I had it on his birthday weekend at my sister's house and I remember him coming in and my sister's like dad you're not going to say hi to your daughter and he just said he kind of looked at me and he just said yeah hi I don't think he didn't want to say my sister was like are you going to hug her and we kind of briefly hugged, but I think my dad just didn't know what to do. And we had the family reunion, but we didn't really talk. So when he died the following year, on his deathbed, he said, um, I regret not knowing my children more and my grandchildren because they were such recluses. So I think that makes me sad that we didn't get to, to make amends. I wasn't angry, but that makes me sad. I think about them every day. Where are they actually buried right now? Did they get buried at a a place or? No, they both got cremated. Okay. My dad was sprinkled on the property mm -hmm. where we grew up, but unfortunately we didn't get to sprinkle my mom in time because um the house sold okay. um within months after her passing and we didn't get a chance to spring
sprinkle her ashes with my dad and her her other family members. Um, we didn't get to do that. So my mom lives in Minneapolis now with my sister. She's still in an urn. You know, th there's like so many ways. Like I, I imagine somebody else in your position, and like just totally like self-destructing. But you must be an angel because you're willing to like take it up the ass and get like like uh life did not give you a very happy childhood yet you're that korean adoptee that actually somehow still became the better person it didn't let you destroy you and you're still i think you're right now you're, you're still living a pretty happy life hopefully you're absolutely right um you know i did a lot on my own i had a lot of support system mm -hmm. from, you know most of my family you know, us as siblings, we kind of like, we're not into each other's business like some family is. We have a, a lot of distance, probably a little bit too much. You guys don't see each other during Christmas at all? or? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, Christmas, we do get together. I try to um, get everybody together at my sister's. Okay. My sister and I are kind of like the blue family, believe it or not. Are you the fun one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're having a family reunion. You have to be there. It's mandatory. Where do you guys do it at? In Florida or Minnesota? Or? No, I come oh. home. I'm the only one so far away, so I come oh. to the UP. So the okay. family reunion was quite a few years ago, but we had it in kind of near where my sister mm. lives. Uh, we, we rented out this beautiful house that her patient has, mm. and it was amazing. And everybody showed up except for one or two. But, uh, you know... We, we we get together as much as we can. Um, I just put a Zoom chat together a couple weeks ago with everybody, so that was great. And you know what it is, is that, um, I don't know, I just have this, I have uh, my sister, she always mentored me, mm -hmm. always said, you know, never give up in life. And even as we kind of like, for a long time, I was distant with the siblings, mm -hmm. you know, I was in foster care, there's, they're so they were so involved in their own life you know and i don't blame them um i had to survive um, and i guess i took my situation and i am a product of it but i'm a product of it in a more positive way i had to take those things and learn to come on top of it you know what i mean and not let it bog me down and to understand and the biggest thing for me was that i understood it wasn't my fault I didn't ask to be adopted, you know, I didn't ask to be brought over to this country, I didn't ask for somebody to spend thousands on me because she used to say that, she used to say, you owe me your life, I gave you life, She's, she used to tell me that, I gave you life, I spent thousands on getting you here, you have a home, you know, you owe me. I don't owe you anything, I didn't ask for this, I didn't ask to be born. But knowing that it wasn't my fault, I think had a big impact as well. Even though, you know, sometimes, as you know, when I think back in my childhood, I think, well, could I have been a better kid? Could I have not told her to F off? Because, you know, I, would, I did that once in a while. She was trying to beat me, and I'd be like, F you. But, you know, I was a child. I was a kid. I was a teenager. I was. I was surviving. I mean, I had to steal food from the kitchen on my hands and knees as a kid. Do you know what that's like to steal food from your own kitchen? No. But at the end of it all, you know, I'm thankful. Would I want a different life? Yeah, I would like to um, run track in high school and go for that scholarship I always wanted because I knew I was a fast kid back then. But yeah, there are some things I wish I had or go to the parties like everybody else got to do. But no, I had to be an adult and work and survive all that, you know. Of course I would want that differently. But my experiences being adopted and in the family that I am had, it taught me to be it taught me to be bigger than that it taught me to overcome the adversity was it shitty yeah damn right it was because the things that i had to deal as a kid with nobody should, should endure as a woman today though 
a pretty strong cookie. Nothing can tear you down right now, so I guess, yeah, pretty much. Well, I am human. <laughs> there are things I still do, but it, you know, when I was here in Florida, actually, I considered suicide because I was dating somebody who was emotionally abusive. Um, I dated him for four years, and I just felt... He, the whole relationship made me feel like I was not worthy. And I thought, maybe my mom was right. Maybe I'm not worthy to live. But when I talked myself out of that suicide, because I wanted to wrap my car around the tree on the road, and I started to drive to that tree, I turned it around and I reasoned and I said, you know, Ted, everybody loves and respects you in your life. You went through some stuff as a kid and, you know, I loved him. I didn't do it. I knew it wasn't me. Okay. Yeah, we're not perfect people. I was not perfect in the relationship. I admit that, of course. But at the end of the day, I didn't deserve that either from him. And I was worthy, and I and I figured that out, you know. With all that trauma, you so you did you have to talk to a therapist about all this stuff to figure all this kind of stuff out, or did you just learn it all on your own, or? You know, no, I never talked to a therapist. Wow. I didn't have. I I just um. I didn't. I did talk to a therapist who was actually a school friend. Mm -hmm classmate of my sisters and a couple of my other siblings who's an actual family therapist okay and he works with her to this day and i said you know is it normal that i cry still when i talk about my childhood and my mom even though i have forgiveness and i have closure to the situation and he's like oh my god Tab. he's like the trauma that you went through seriously he's like if you didn't cry i question that He's like, it's normal to have you, your trauma that you went through was beyond what people should go through. And so that made me feel validated that I can cry about it even to this time. Um, but suicide, the second time, I didn't talk to anybody. I talked to my sister a lot. My sister was my mentor, was my best friend. She's my everything. Um, the second suicide was with a... a uh, something else it wasn't with the boyfriend is that what you're describing or was it that was with the boyfriend oh okay because i just felt i felt unworthy mm -hmm. made me feel really bad about myself you know i thought i was in love um and i talked to her a lot about it mm -hmm. yeah no i didn't see a therapist i tried but it wasn't a good fit and mm -hmm. felt uncomfortable mm -hmm. i just didn't feel comfortable talking about it because there were I think I wanted it to be more about the relationship and what am I doing wrong or not wrong, is it me? And they're like, well, let's just hone in on you right now and forget the relationship. And that's not what so you had a bit of code codependency, maybe? They didn't even say that, oh. but I think because I don't feel like I, I have that because I, I kind of thought about that. And, you know, I just, no, I just was a stroke of bad luck mm -hmm. at the time, I guess. So how is Tabby right now? Are you in a better relationship? And and I don't know. Do you do you have kids or or no? No. Okay. I have children because I chose not to. Okay. Because you know, growing up and trying to find my way in life, mm -hmm. if I could barely survive, I'm certainly not going to bring kids into. It. Mm -hmm. Um. So I I wanted to have kids with the right person, mm -hmm. and that person never came. Uh, I am in a relationship now. One thing I can tell you, um, I'm not going anywhere. That's good. Yeah, so my name is Travis again. Sorry, he is completely quiet, so I'm going to let him talk a little bit uh, right now. It's nice to meet you. Anyways, the idea with Guide is to eventually get people to be aware of mental health. Is that correct? Yes. So to relate to this, I don't know if you know much about me. I'll just talk about it briefly, but... I've had bipolar disorder for 12 years, seven hospitalizations, other things like that, but I won't go in deep topic. But you mentioned suicide. For people struggling with suicide, not just CADs, do you have anything to tell them if they want to take their own life and how you adjust to it? How do you manage suicidal ideations? Is there anything 
with your resiliency that you've learned from coping it yourself. You didn't even have to see a therapist or anything. That's the, what's just amazing because I think you could serve as a beacon of hope for a lot of Korean adoptees that even if you've been through hell, it doesn't mean you have to be come hell. That is correct. I really believe, first of all, suicide. Suicide is so debilitating. It just takes you over. It's just so overwhelming. But with the Guy Foundation, they're going to be able to provide services to help. Um, one thing, though, I will want to say is that you're not alone. Don't ever feel alone. Whatever you're going through, you know, try to find the courage inside yourself to talk about it, even if it's to a close friend, just to, to vent and let it out. Um, the things that you've suffered, even like me as a Korean adoptee, like many of us have really suffered, you know, you have to look at the situation and understand that, you know, it's, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault to have that type of abuse. It wasn't you. Um, yeah, we struggle with who we are today or, you know, where we come from, lack of culture and knowledge of that nature. But at the end of the day, no matter where we come from, we are people. We deserve respect. We deserve to be loved. Everybody. Um, it's a matter of knowing that you have strength. You just have to find it. And in order to find it, you have to look within yourself and understand certain things that it's not your fault. If you can't overcome that, then reach out. You know, reach out to the Guy Foundation. Reach out to a therapist. So I guess according to statistics from Moses, he states that adoptees are four times likely to commit suicide than the rest of the population. So my question to you is, what is your advice? How can we get people to come out and talk and be, more and, and be willing to uh, talk about painful things, painful things or, or memories or things that just bring around bad emotions? It's tough. It's not easy. But you have to be courageous to know, or just know, don't, don't feel ashamed. There should be no shame. What, you, what people have experienced like us, what we go through, we are a community. We are all brothers and sisters, believe it or not. That's how I look at us as a community. Let me just say it like this even differently. We're here for a reason, um, and we shouldn't feel ashamed. And we shouldn't be embarrassed about what we went through because we all have similar stories. Some are worse than others. Some are just really different. Some are similar. But as a community, we are all brothers and sisters and we are all linked in the same manner. And by sharing stories and saying, oh my goodness, I went through that too. You know, how did you survive that? And let's talk it out together. Let's reach out to each other because in order to help each other, we need to know your stories too and it's nothing about being ashamed ever at all never so kyle kind of touched base on this a little bit it's kind of off topic but did you have any records of of your birth family certificate certificate you, you do or? know your 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 korean name what is your korean name uh my name is kyung gung choi okay um in my adoption papers I come through Holt International. Holt is horrible, I heard. I don't know. Um, I come through Holt, and, you know, I don't even think I had a name. Because according to the records, I was left in a bassinet outside an orphanage. I don't even think I had a name because I have a, a piece of paper that says this family name or surname, and I'm the, the head of the, of, of the household. So it leads me to believe I didn't even have a name at that time. And I think the person who was who came to to acquire me, mm -hmm. um, and he was you know in charge of me, gave me that name and it filed that paperwork. A lot of adoption agencies actually just make up fake names. Uh, even though my name's Jonah Park, he's Mono Park. Apparently, our real name was Jang Jun and, and uh, Jang Moon. So we kind of have like two Korean names. Wow. It's incredible. And the only other thing that I know about myself is that I was in an orphanage for a certain amount of time, then I went into a foster home. And then from the foster home, I came to the U.S. I'm just curious. Some adoptees like to, 
they they want to get history on their birth family really young. You seem to be kind of late. Was there a reason that is it because the trauma you're experiencing you didn't feel like it was a good time to do a birth search or just weren't ready? My adoptive mom always told me I was unwanted in Korea. Um, I guess at that. I guess for a long time I just felt like, even though I felt in my heart that my mom gave me up, my biological mom gave me up for a better life, and I, I think I, I believed it so much I just let it go and I just felt she wanted me to have a better life. I made a life for myself after going through everything I had to do, um, you know, successful in many ways, but then, and I would search, I, I, I've been searching for probably almost... 15 years because um, then I started reaching out to the judge for paperwork who had my case in probate court as a kid then I started searching with Holt and I just I think I just wanted to know where I came from I was okay with my life now as an adult and my siblings um, but then when I realized you know when my father passed away or before that you know, I'm like we don't know anything on our part and our family, even as adopted family, they don't know anything because my parents were recluses and they wouldn't tell us anything. And I thought, I don't want to know where I come from. So I started the search per sporadically and then more so within the last five years. So you mentioned also that to Kyle that you weren't naturalized. Did you have to take a citizenship test? Yeah, um, <laughs> when social worker told me that I was freaked out, I was like, what? <laughs> and I didn't have a social security. They were able to, but they were good. I will say, where I grew up, they were really good to me. They accelerated everything. They got me my social security. Um, and yeah, my parents wouldn't sign off the papers for me to get my naturalization because my mom said at that time, I want her to have that choice between a U.S. citizen versus Korean. And for me, my logic was, well, I don't know Korea. I grew up here in the States, so I'm going to want my, my U.S. citizenship regardless. Um, so yeah, my paperwork was filed already. So when I turned 18, I immediately went to the courts and, and took whatever test they told me to and was sworn in. Even if you haven't found your uh, your birth parents, do you actually think going to Korea actually might give you a little sense of healing, or or no? Yeah, I I want to go back to Korea for many many reasons, just because it's time. Mm -hmm. I want to go back. I want to see my homeland. I know it's different from when I was there, but I was there and I left at seven months, so I wouldn't know anything. Mm -hmm. It's just time. For me to try and see what kind of I can figure out. So we know somebody, uh, Pastor Park, he's kind of getting close with Guy. I don't know if you're ever interested, but we have this pastor. He, he's a minister. He's a kind of really big in, in, in Minnesota. And he actually offers free spiritual journeys for first-timers that visited Korea. And I could actually uh, connect you with him if you're ever interested. It, it's totally free because it's a non-profit. I'm not a therapist, but I feel like if you visit Korea, I, in my opinion, I feel like it gives some closure, even if you can't find uh, your birth parents. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think going also would give me more sense. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more closure for me. Because also, I'm going to be 50 this year. <laughs> That's why I was wanting to mention, you must be from the Fountain of Youth, because I actually thought you were around my age when you first... <laughs> showing up on the call but i guess that praise the lord for the asian genes i guess yeah yeah no i'm fortunate there too but yeah i'm 50 so i'm no spring chicken and it's not like i have forever to keep searching yep. but I, you know just even go back to my you know and we were gonna go this year possibly cause okay 50 my boyfriend's like let's go to korea mm -hmm. i'm like i'm sure but you know i i, I didn't really like get onto that bus ride yet because uh, there were just some logistical things we needed to tend to for him, passport, whatever, uh, my passport, um, and actually I was really considering going back this year, but there was just so much I, I need to figure out, like 
who do I go to? Do I go to Hope? Do I go to somebody said Mosaic Tours? You know, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to make appointments with? Yeah, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this too. That's why I offered you maybe going to Korea would be better and actually visiting the orphanage. I don't know if you're familiar with the logistics of that. I, I feel like, I think some people did that. I don't know how, but. Well, I do know that, well, according to Holt, the orphanage doesn't even exist anymore. Really? Okay. So you can't just visit and try to get dig up more records then, huh? Correct. Okay. But there's some affiliation that does exist to my previous orphanage, from what I understand. It's such an offshoot. You ever thought about going on TV one time, like a, some Korean adoptees do? Um, someone said I should do that. Um, somebody, a couple, actually a couple people told me I should write a book. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> you know, they're like, you just start journaling your thoughts. And I'm like, oh, I could do that. Um, somebody did say I should go on Korean TV, but I wouldn't even know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you're kind of on TV with ours for now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have my own page before I found the cat community. Yeah. Um, that is about my adoption and trying to find my phonological family. Okay. I have that as a separate page to my Facebook. Okay. Um, so I, I haven't really worked on it in some time, but um, I had did I had done a few boosts to it where it shot out into Korea and across the U.S. too to see what I could find, but. It's a lot, you know, it takes a lot of work. I'm really sorry that you had to go through it, but I guess it, I'm still having a lot of positivity because to me, you seem like a really bright and strong woman. I feel like you really overcame the adversities, adversities and you didn't fall uh, victim to drinking the poison of being cynical and just hating life. You seem to be very uh, kind and caring the way you took care of your mom. and You know... A lot of that has to do with, like, I'm not a holy roller, but I have my faith. So that's what I was going to ask you. You are Christian then, right? I am. Okay. And eventually, in my foster family, I was uh, baptized Lutheran. Okay. But as a kid, though, I'm going to tell you, I used to pray every night, and I didn't even know who God was, and my mother would preach about God. You know, and that's the irony of all that, right? God this, God that, God, God, God. But at the end, I didn't even know who God was. Mm -hmm would say things about God and mm -hmm. faith but I would pray and every night I would pray to please, please, please help me, help me find a way help me get through this day I would pray every day and even to this day I say a prayer every day and I give thanks for what I have it's really amazing too because I think there's a lot of kids that originally come from a religious background but after like dealing with like torture and all that stuff they kind of feel like God abandoned them but apparently not you 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 still have that light and belief I do I do I just I mean I don't go to church every Sunday I, I admit this but the one thing I do do is I pray every day for things and you know, you know, I wear my mom and dad's sweating bands. I keep them with me. How come you were able to keep them and not your... Not my sibling? Yeah. You're the special one now? I'm the baby. Oh. I said, you know, because I wanted, you know why? I wanted the wedding bands because it's the one thing that keeps me close to the time that I didn't get to have them as my parents for the times that I didn't get to have a normal childhood and knowing that my mom made these awful, awful decisions in her life and she even journaled and you know she regretted her life so now I know that I know in my heart they're at peace and they didn't get to live their life they existed even though they had a family they didn't live life so now, like, it's, I know it's stupid, but like, I'm a runner, so let's say I'm running a half marathon, I think my parents are waiting for me, and I think, Mom and Dad, you're running with me, get me through to the finish line, or Mom and Dad, today's a really tough day. This, this seems really stupid. I, we recently got in fitness, well, not really, we always been in fitness, but how much is that half marathon? I, I kind of wondered if I could attempt it. It's 13.1 miles. 13.1 miles. I go eight. That's about it. That's great. Yay. But yeah, you know, I carry them with me because then it makes me feel like they're with me every day. So if I get to do something new, I think, Mom and Dad, we're doing this today, okay? So 
It's my way of keeping them close to me. I honestly think the title of this should be Beautiful Angel Went Through Hell, but you made it and you still became really strong and, and you kept your faith. And, and I really hope more Korean adoptees can hear this story and see how I know you had your struggles, but you're still living life. You have a positive mindset. You you're trying the best that you can. And, and I feel like I hope that could give a lot of other cads uh, hope. I'm curious now do you feel like you're more than surviving or you still feel that way or because of covid and no no i don't feel like i'm surviving anymore um certain things in my my personal life that has nothing to do with my parents yeah maybe but as an adult i feel i feel i did okay i feel like um, i you don't have to probe about the current relationship you're in now, but is your relationships really like hot and cold? Is because of your past, or are your relationships kind of are you really reactive, re reactive and really sensitive? Does your do you, past do you, like blow in your face or flood when you're in a relationship? You know, no, I'm pretty really? chill. Oh, okay. For me personally, I'm I'm like I'm the laid back individual. Okay. I'm cool, like, mm. I'm not, I'm not jealous, I don't get this way, mm. uh, I just go with the flow. Awesome. It's just, that's just how I, I view life, and well, you know, my sister always said I'm a free spirit, and I really am, I'm a free spirit, but I also have my boundaries, so, you know, my relationships are important to me, mm. um, and I respect them greatly. Um, so no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty even keeled. You're a free spirit. Do you work the eight to five or do you have your own business that you do or, or, uh, well, I work in printing, which I've been doing for over 20 years. I do have a side business. I haven't really worked on a lot to okay. organizing and purging people. So I do that. Is, is that like graphic design or something or what is the job do or? Oh, in printing, I'm a, what you call a production specialist. Okay. So I just make sure, let's say you want something printed. Yeah. Um, I, I give you a quote, you give me the artwork, and I make sure it goes smoothly, uh, gets printed properly. Derek and uh, Jody asked you to print their book for them? I did quote it, and I was upfront about it. I said, we might not be the cheapest, but I also know Jody has a friend who's a printer that will okay. be able to give her more because she okay. owns the printing company. Okay. Otherwise, I would sponsor it fully. And you've been there for 20 years, huh? I've been in the industry for 20 oh. years. My current company, I've been with almost five years. Okay. Uh, previous to that, I was with a company for six. And then the company, it's kind of funny, the company I'm with now, I was with them for almost eight years a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So you work with printing newspapers or magazines or photos or how does that work? Newspapers are completely different in the print world. Um, I do magazines, letterheads, budget books. We do everything sure. else. Shirts, pens. Did you go to college at all after or? Yeah, actually, you know what's funny? Um, after high school, uh, I went straight into college. Wow. College that was close to home there. And I was a pre-law student and then I dropped out because I was I was in a bad relationship then and I had to figure out my head and figure out where I was going in life. So I dropped out of college and then coming to Florida I did get a degree. I have an associate's degree in ultrasound. Ultrasound, okay. I know that's like broad printing and medical, but what happened is that the school I went to here in Florida was not a legitimate school, so we couldn't sit for our state court exams. You ever thought you want to go back to law, or are you pretty happy the way things are right now? You know, I consider taking some law courses, maybe get a certificate, like a, a paralegal type of thing. I did check into that recently. Um, You're probably going to be one of those nice lawyers, I, I seem. It doesn't seem to fit your personality, <laughs> but maybe, it, but you're strong, but. You no, know, I wanted to go into law was because I wanted to help those who couldn't really help themselves. I wanted to fight for justice. Law and order SVU. That's what I, that's what I like. <laughs> but I, I do, I have been involved locally with some um, community okay. work. I did Miami Day Red Cross for, I think, almost seven. Um, five to seven years. Then I, not too long ago, I did the Guardian Ad Litem program, okay. which helps foster kids. So 
So I was like my caseworker back in the day. It was kind of like that, sort of. But I I made sure that the foster kid got everything that they needed. You, you sound like you'd actually be a good mom. You know, you sound like my sister because she's like, oh. "Tab, I'm sad for you." I'm like, "Why?" She's like, "Cause." You're not married and you don't have kids. I said, look, because she said the same thing, you think a great mom. I'm like the favorite auntie. I have like about 13, 14 nieces and nephews out of my siblings. And, you know, I think I'm the favorite. Like, anyway. Um, Are all your siblings living then since you're the youngest or no? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're all living. Cool. My sister did say I would make a great mom, and I said, I think so too, and I, I, that's the one thing I regret, not having children. You can still adopt, though, that's what I was trying to allude, if you ever were interested in doing that, or... And there's people that hate adoption. Screw adoption, but, and then... No, I had considered that mm -hmm. about fostering, but certain things I know wouldn't allow it. So is there any last minute uh, words that you want to like market about yourself or uh, any advice that you have for Korean adoptees in general or guide before we close out today? Besides stay strong um, and donate to the Guide Foundation, uh, keep your head up. People are here to help you if you have suicidal thoughts. Um, but the most important thing I think people don't do enough of is talk and share their stories. I think people are, are ashamed or scared, but don't be scared. Don't, don't be scared of any backlash from your adoptive <clears throat> family. Do you and be the best version of you. And take the negative and find a way to make it a positive. What would you like to see done with the Korean adoptee community right now as you've seen it? Because there's a lot of pain out there. I would like to see more people come out and tell their stories. Okay. Because in that way, it releases, it releases mm. so much pressure to put it out there for people to know what they're suffering from, what they're going through. I'd like to see our our Korean adoptee community heal. In order to heal, you have to be ready to heal. And sometimes not everybody is ready to heal. Well, thanks a lot for your time. I, I think you're... You're an awesome, beautiful person, and I really appreciate you uh, sharing this intimate story with us, and I, I'm hoping we can make more traction. And if you ever stop by Minnesota, you're always welcome to come to our kimchi club. You can just give me a message or anything. Thank you for having me, and I hope, I hope people will really listen to this story and just don't be afraid, because we're all in this together, and we're all brothers and sisters. Nope. I think that's good. I Thank you very it. much, Tavi. We appreciate time. it. Thank you, guys. Yep. Bye. Bye.